Amen. So John chapter 8. Now, I already said that uh, the, the discussion we had last week and what we were studying was when the religious leaders brought a woman that was guilty of sin and according to the law should have been stoned to death. And uh, they brought her by herself. Uh, and said that we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Moses says that we're supposed to stone her. Uh, what do you say? And uh, we talked about the lack of the other person there. According to the scripture, if that was happened, uh, that happened and somebody was caught in that act, both of them were supposed to be stoned to death. Both, both of them were supposed to, supposed to lose their lives. So the Lord, uh, as they're presenting this to him, ignores him, just bends down on the ground, starts writing. So they keep bringing up, they keep, they keep asking. And Jesus' response is, you know, he who is without sin among you, be the first one to cast a stone. And what the scripture says is that the, the oldest to the, to the youngest starts then to drop, you know, whatever accusation they had. They forgot all about that and all they could remember was their own sin. And they all start walking away, oldest all the way down to the youngest. And Jesus stands up in his grace and mercy and looks at the woman and says, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Where are they? They're not here. Neither do I accuse you. Go your way and sin no more. That the Lord would rather extend to us grace and mercy than to have our lives ended. You know, that, that we would be saved. And that woman's life, no doubt, changed from that day forward. And God ministered to her. And she, uh, she received a, for, a forgiveness for the sin that she was guilty of, flat out guilty of. And how did the Lord minister to her? In his grace and mercy, the same way he deals with us. You know, what's that? What's that on your heart? What's that going on in your life? It needs to go. Go your way and sin no more. You know, and we looked at John 17, that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the, the world through him would be saved. world's already condemned. world's already in a complete mess. I don't think anybody can argue with that. And, but God didn't send him here to condemn, but to save the world. So understand uh, who he is and why he came. So this is where, where it says, then, where it starts in verse 12, says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So this is a wonderful truth for us Christians to cling to. And the Lord in the passage we're going to study says, I am uh, three times uh, throughout what we're uh, studying here. And this is the first in this chapter that we're looking at. So, uh, you know, if you think of the darkness in this world, how prevalent and how strong it is, that, that there's a wonderful light that we can look to, that there's one that we can look to and know that there's, there's something different that Jesus has to offer, some hope. And, uh, you know, to walk in darkness, really all we need to do is follow the crowd. That's it. It's really easy to walk in darkness. It's just do what everybody else is doing. Going to the party, going to the bar, going to whatever, neglecting family, uh, whatever it might be that, that uh, just as the word, you know, if there's no opposition to it, you can be pretty sure it's walking in darkness. You know, if there's no, uh, uh, no, no type of, uh, oh, what are you doing? You're going to church on Sunday? What are you doing, man? You know, uh, you know, don't even bother. You know, what are you going to do? Just go hang out with a bunch of hypocrites? Huh? You're coming to a hospital. You're to hear the, hear the gospel and be changed. That's what it is. You know, our enemy doesn't want us here. The world calls Christians to conduct ourselves differently. 
Jesus says, he who, follow, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus said in five, uh, Matthew 5, 14, says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And uh, it, it, he goes on to say in that, you know, who would light a lamp and then put it under a basket? So that nobody can see from it. That light. So uh, you ever you ever flown at night and you look down as you you know and you just start seeing lights everywhere. It's it's funny how uh, how little those lights can be when it's so dark though. How powerful they are that you can even see them uh, from from way up in, you know in the sky. Or if if you're in com a completely dark area in a field or whatever, and one little match gets lit, you can go. Wait a minute. What is that? All the way over there. It's a match this big. You are the light of the world. The city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, understand that darkness and light can't coexist. Now, there are some weird doctrines out there, some weird doctrines that will say that somebody who is a Christian could actually be demon-possessed. Darkness and light cannot exist together. The Scripture says that. They can't be, that you, can, you can't co- you either have light in you or you have darkness in you. That's it. Uh, so somebody can't be a, a professing Christian walking with the Lord and and be controlled or uh, indwelt by a demon. That just that can't happen. It's it's one or the other. You're either filled with the Spirit or filled with that. That's uh, is really what it is. Uh, John chapter three verses nineteen through twenty one says this, and this is a condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. There's a difference there. The darkness, you know, those deeds are done in darkness. In light, that those deeds that glorify God should be done, that, that not that we would be glorified, but that God would be glorified. Remember, the Lord said, let your light so shine before men, that when men see the works that, that are happening here, they glorify your Father in heaven. That the glory would go to God. That it wouldn't be that we're standing on a corner going, look how great I am. Everybody see how perfect I am? Yeah, hey, this is my address. Tune in to me on YouTube, you know, and you can see more greatness. You know, it's not any of that. It's glory to God. And it's, it's sharing the love uh, and grace and mercy of God that should happen in the Christian's life. So when Jesus says, I am the, Lord, the, the, I, am the, I am the light of the world, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. The light's right there. We can just follow him. Verse 13, the Pharisees therefore said, you bear witness of yourself, your witness is not true. And Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. So the Pharisees can't see that light. They're spiritually blind. Remember, these are the these are the religious leaders. These are the ones that everybody would look to, like, "Hey, this guy knows what he's talking about." And God in the flesh, God the Son, is, is saying these guys have no idea what's happening. 
He's addressing their their spiritual blindness here uh, throughout this whole conversation. You know, they they had tried, but they hadn't been able to disprove him. So now they're trying to use words against him in a different way, trying to show that he's unreliable. And they're questioning his authority, and they uh, are are stating that he has no foundation, saying that he bears witness of himself, and it can't be true. So Jesus goes on to say, "No, I bear witness of myself, and and God bears witness of me, God the Father." So he proves that he and the Father uh, both bear him witness here as uh, as we continue through. And he says, you know, when he says, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. You don't know because uh, really when he says that to them, they don't understand it. They can't comprehend it because they are spiritually blind due to their rejection of him. So he fulfills the law's requirement. He's right. Deuteronomy 19 lists that uh, if there's. Uh, there needs to be two witnesses when something is being brought up, and uh, you know, he and the Father fulfill that. So they say to him in verse 19, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he, as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. So what's happening here is they're not exchanging pleasantries, if you, if you kind of figured that out in the conversation. It's a very contentious uh, conversation here. And they say, where is your father? Now, uh, we, don't, we don't know their intentions, but you can, you can maybe uh, wonder if they're trying to make uh, uh, poke fun at him because, oh, hey, yeah, you're the guy that everybody says, you know, miraculously born. Or, hey, where, where is your father? We don't, we don't know the actual intent of what's being said here. But Jesus goes right by and says, you don't know me and you don't know my father. And they don't understand that he's talking about God the Father. You know, Although uh, these were the ones that were considered to be closest to God, uh, their hearts were far from him. And uh, the Lord, the Lord reveals that. We'll look at, at the verse here in just a moment. But you know, they're all in their religious clothing. They're practicing their, uh, their, uh, they're, they're praying uh, publicly so that all can see. They're doing everything to their own glory and to, to, uh, to benefit them. And Jesus is right in their face, confronting them. That that's not what what the Lord was talking about when He established. Uh, these relationships with him when he when he revealed himself to man it wasn't supposed to be like this and that's what Jesus continues to confront these guys are just continuing to uh, to uh, what the, he he confronts them in another passage about the burden they were placing on everybody else but they weren't willing to lift their own finger to to carry their own burden at all that they would just sit there and just continue to pound on no following God means this following God means that having no understanding of who he was and having a personal relationship with him. That it's not about, okay, now I got to kneel, I got to stand, I got to climb this, I got to do this, I got to drink this, and I got to move around and uh, do all these crazy things. It's the simplicity of knowing God, having a personal relationship with him, that we would pray, that we'd be in his word, and we'd be in fellowship with one another. Those are, are three key components, uh, components that we need in our lives. Matthew 5, uh, 15, verses 7 through 9, Jesus is uh, dealing with uh, the religious leaders. As he said, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He's referencing, referencing Isaiah 29, 13. That the Lord would say, you know, there, there are all kinds of religious practices going on. There's all kinds of so that what in modern day it can be. Hey, you know, I go to church, 
I go to church. I do sing when the songs are up. But if God doesn't have our hearts, we're just going through the motions. That's it. We're just we've we've we come, you know, we put on a good uh, you know good face and smile and and greet one another. But if God doesn't have our hearts, and if we haven't come and say, Lord, I need to be new in you. I need this old man gone, this old woman gone. I've done nothing but make a mess. That's what God wants. That's that's if you if you consider religion, that religion is just a relationship with Him. He wants the simplicity of that. And the Lord is saying in Matthew chapter 15 that they've got it all wrong. You know, they it says these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's about having a re- you probably heard the, the cliche or, or the mentioning that you can miss heaven by 18 inches from the, the, the distance between your head and your heart. It's it's that it's that simple. We can have the head knowledge. We can go to the verse. We can understand the song. We can sing Amazing Grace or whatever it is. But have we accepted the Lord as our Lord and Savior? Have we surrendered our lives that we make complete messes of uh, without Him and and offer and, and take His offer of a free gift of salvation and newness of life that our hearts would be surrendered to Him? And and what's funny is as we surrender and we think we're giving up and life's going away, we're actually being filled with life. I am the I am the light of the world. You know, that's and then he just he goes on to say, I'm going to I'm going to mess up my quote here. So uh, uh, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. No longer have to dwell in that darkness. We have the light of life in him. So the Lord in this, as we're studying here in verses 19 and 20, the Lord is speaking so that everyone could hear him and nobody could do anything about it because his hour had not yet come. He's speaking boldly against the religious leaders in the temple right now. Boldly. And these are the ones that wanted him taken. Remember, we studied that just a week or two ago, that they start ridiculing people. Are you a follower of him, too? Didn't didn't we send you to arrest him? Why are you coming back? And they're like, nobody's ever spoke like him before. That the words of Christ are powerful. You know, when, when we consider Hebrews, the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. The scriptures are alive. The scriptures move when, when they're heard. Uh, God said, and we're going to get into this. I'm probably way ahead of myself. But Isaiah 55, the Lord says that he sends his word out to go and accomplish his will. And it doesn't come back to him void. Understand the word of God and that God honors the word above his name. There's something special about the word. Verse 21, then Jesus said to them again. I am going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. When I, where I go, you cannot come. And the Jews said, "Will he kill himself?" Because he says, "Where I go, you could not, you cannot come." Once again, this is a very contentious conversation that's happening here. And the Lord is is saying here that they're going to die in their sin. And uh, what he, we'll get into this more. He really dives into this conversation. He's he's building to a point where. Uh, these guys are going to get so frustrated. But as he's building that, he's addressing everything that he needs to uh, in their lives. You know, in their pride, and they have no understanding, and they don't understand that he's speaking of of, of heaven. And they said, you know, uh, when Jesus says you'll die in your sin, uh, these are the ones that everybody would look to them as the ones that have it all together, the ones that are going to heaven. And when Jesus is there saying, you're going to die in your sin, the ones that are checking the boxes, that are doing all these things, but we understand that are benefiting financially uh, from everybody and just putting burdens on people and not loving. not uh, They don't have that personal relationship with God, and they're not sharing that 
with the people and they're just just throwing on religious burden, religious burden. You got to do this, 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 and this. And the Lord is addressing it all. Where I go, you cannot come. And he's telling them they're on the road to hell. Now, if your mind just went to, like mine just popped in, ACDC's Highway to Hell, catchy song, read those lyrics as a Christian, it's a frightening song. Believe me, I've, I've had that song, I, I know the song. You know, they that's one thing, ACDC's gotten big, anybody who knows how to play music, they've gotten big like three or four chords. The easiest thing, the chords that, that we'll play up here, they just play them loud and, and everything. But that song is talking about going to hell and having a party. And that because they know it, you know, it's a frightening song to when you look at the truth of that song that, hey, I'm on the highway to hell singing and, and all proud of it, not understanding. That's not it, it even says something about my friends are going to be there. It's not going to be a party going on. Absolutely not. We understand that from the scripture. It's 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 tortured. There's no hope. It's just it's total. It's total despair. Not a place to go. But that's where these guys are going. And as religious leaders, you know, uh, they're thought to be the ones that, uh, you know, because of their good works, they're going to heaven. And, you know, uh, all around them thought that they were they were going. Anybody who was rich in that time, well, they're not rich. They're only rich because God's blessed them. And if God's blessed them, uh, then uh, they're, they're definitely going to heaven because they're rich. And they have it all together and everything. And the Lord just continued. Remember when, when he's got everybody around and the Lord draws everybody's attention to the woman that throws in two mites says that she has given more than everybody else. And that was all she had. That's, that's it. What he's talking about here is it's not about the importance of filling a basket. It's not that important. What Jesus is saying is that that woman has a heart of worship and was willing to give whatever she had to the Lord. And she, and she did. Everybody else is trying to make a show of it. Trying to, oh, look at me. I did this. I'm walking around with a sign. Hey, I donated this. You know, literally that trumpet. Guys, in this town, in this region, there are trumpets played when people go to, to give offerings. They wave it in the air and then they drop it down. What did Jesus say? When you give, let your right hand know, not know what your left hand is doing. It's that scary that people will do these things. The scripture does say uh, that, guys, this is not a, you notice we didn't even take a, a collection. If you want to give to the Lord and he's putting it on your heart, we got boxes at each entrance. That's not what this is about at all. It's about this woman's heart of worship versus these guys that would always want to be seen. They always wanted to be the ones that were recognized as the religious ones. Hey, look to us. We got it all together. You know, we're, we're the ones that need to be honored. We love the good seats at, at, at the feasts and all those things. And the Lord just always uh, butted heads with them. Now, when they accuse Jesus and they get to the point where they, they, they're now resorting to insults, is he going to kill himself? What's he going to do here? You know, in that day, uh, it was taught that suicide would result in the individual going to the lowest uh, place, lowest place in, in Hades, the place of the dead, that, they would, that their soul would go there if they committed suicide. And uh, so they're, they're just, they're just uh, all they can do is, is pass around insults because they have no idea. They're spiritually blind and don't know that he's actually, that who is speaking to them is God in the flesh. Verse 23, and he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sin. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Powerful statements there being made in 23 and 24. That belief in him 
is, I guess the best way to put it here would be the cutoff line. And I don't, it's the best, you guys know, I always say I'm not really good at analogies. But if you if you're looking at the cutoff line, Jesus said that he, he didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword division and that a, a believing faith in him is the difference. That's it. It's in, in what he says here. He says, therefore, I say to you, you'll die in your sins. Uh, for if you do not believe that I am he, the, the Messiah, you will die in your sins. So Jesus is telling them that he is from heaven. They are from beneath. And that they uh, will die in their sins because they don't believe in him. Because of a rejection of Jesus Christ, they will die in their sins. Anybody who's heard the gospel can either accept it or reject it. And that's, that's the offer God has. There's an acceptance. You know, God doesn't come, put a knife to our throat and say, you're going to accept it or not. It's very easily, here's the scripture, what do you believe? And then he'll minister to our hearts. He'll call to us, and you know, God, God's desire isn't that any should perish, but that all should come to come to repentance. That's what the Scripture says. And when we have that understand, we have to 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 look into that that uh, salvation message of the gospel, and then make that decision: Do I believe it, or am I just going to reject it and follow my own sin? It's really that you know, if you think of the deal we get. And I know I've said this before, but there's no greater deal where how many times have we ever been really excited? Hey, look at I just bought and I got it for three bucks, you know, and this thing's worth a hundred dollars, you know, like I just but just to understand the deal we get from trading our filth, our shame, that that sin that it, the scripture says so easily ensnared us, and that we have been taken captive by the enemy to do his will. That we take all that junk and we give it to God, and he just says. You're forgiven. Here's your life. Just walk with me. There, that's the greatest trade we'll ever get. It's the, the, there's, there's nothing better that we could ever get than trading, you know, what was what we were in bondage to, to freedom in Christ. There's, there's nothing. There's, there's all kinds of good deals we can do here. Think of the guy, the cryptocurrency uh, guy that just had billions of dollars. Poor guy had billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, I said poor. He wasn't a poor guy. He was a rich. In one night, he was down to $100,000. I think it was one night. One night. That, that All this world is so temporal. When, when we eventually come to that point where we breathe our last, whatever we have here means nothing. Did we take the deal that the Lord offers us, or did we reject it? You know, Jesus is presenting that to them. They're rejecting him here. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him... To them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. To as many as received him. As many. To as many as received him. To those who believe in his name. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that, he, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. It's quoting Isaiah 28, verse 16. For there is no distinction between Jew and, Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, whoever hears the gospel and says, I want that deal. 
I want my sins washed away and I want to walk in newness of life with him. The, the offer's there. It's just whether someone wants to accept it or not. Jesus is saying that if they, can, they deny him, then they're going to remain in their sin. There was one that could be sacrificed for the sins of all of us. And that was why God sent his only son that he should die in our place. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All, that, all it takes is confession. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I've heard you know, a precious brother in my life just say, drop to his knees, God, you can take this life. I don't want it anymore. That's the same thing. I've had enough. I've made a big enough mess. I just, just take it. I need you. It's that simple. And the Lord hears it and honors it. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the deal, right? You've got death or the gift. What do you want? You know, Do we want to serve ourselves, be our own master, or just serve the one who created us? Live our lives the way he did. In fullness, this, this fullness of life that we would be filled with love versus hate. You know, that, that we would uh, be drawn to wisdom versus foolishness. I've lived that life of foolishness, the, the party in life and all that stuff. It's foolishness. You look back like I was a total idiot. You know, I don't have to worry about that anymore, walking with the Lord. Verse 25, then they say to him, who are you? That's like a, all right, all right, who are you, man? You know, what you, what's going on? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have uh, many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. But they do not understand that he sp uh, they did not understand that he spoke to them of the father. You know, so they're coming to that point. All right, man, just just who are you? And, and Jesus had many times declared his deity and they and their pride and spiritual blindness. Uh, and their, with their inability to hear anything spiritual, uh, you know, have just rejected it. And he's been saying it all along from the beginning, uh, you know, that he sent uh, from the Father to declare the gospel. Verse 28, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and he who sent me is with me. The Father uh, has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Jesus, just right there, another prophecy of his crucifixion. When you lift up the Son of Man. When you lift up the Son of So he's having this, this conversation with the religious leaders that at some point get to the point where it is that, remember it says, uh, we, we studied it a few verses back where it says they didn't, they didn't do anything because his hour had not yet come. Jesus still has a whole ministry that we're going to study here through the end of uh, the book of John, not this morning. And uh, we're going to get to that. We're going to see that at some point when Jesus goes and he, said, he knows the hour has come and he's going, he's having uh, that communion of prayer uh, with the Father. And he knows what is coming and what's about to happen, that he's going to be nailed to a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he says, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. And, uh, and nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And uh, when, when he says, you will, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, so he's prophesying, he's saying this is going to happen. Now, if it didn't happen, then he's a false prophet. And according to the, the Old Testament scriptures, if someone's a false prophet, they are to be killed. Uh, 
because they're speaking on behalf of God and, and they're wrong. God doesn't make any mistake. He doesn't say this is going to happen and it doesn't happen. So he told them that it was going to be the Jews uh, that would uh, that would lead him there. But ultimately, he's going in obedience to the the will of the Father. His obedience to the Father would be evident as he's having this conversation. He's telling them this. So uh, you know, as Christians, we lift his name up high in praise for them as they lifted him up. It was his pierced body that they drove the nails through that part right here in his in his hands, and they drove it through his feet and nailed him, crucified him. You know, so it's a different, different uh, lifting up of Jesus for them. When it comes to the point of Jesus on the cross and dying, there was a Roman guard that was there, and he said, "This truly was the Son of God." That that it was that when he says it will be evident. It was evident. Verse twenty nine, he says, "I always do those things that please Him." He's fully submitted to the will of the Father. Philippians two verses seven and eight. Speaking of Jesus, says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death, uh, even the death of the cross. As uh, that it would be evident that he can do nothing of himself and he always does those does those things that please the father. And he was that obedient that he did it even to the cross. He didn't. He even said, I, I, you know, if there's any other way to let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Verse 30, uh, as, he, as he's speaking these words, uh, many believed in him. So the truth is doing its work. Here's my note for Isaiah 55. Uh, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The Lord doesn't just say things and it just goes void and doesn't matter. I know uh, we may think that sometimes when we talk to, you know, our kids or my wife might talk to me and go, he didn't even hear what I was saying to him. You know, the, the Lord, when the Lord speaks, there's power behind it. It's, a, it's the spirit going out and he's, he's speaking. And uh, there's the, uh, that, just the understanding that we already talked about his word is power, alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It doesn't come back to him void. And uh, when when he's making this statement here, it's uh, it's that the word goes out, does what he, was he told it to, accomplishes exactly what he wanted. Power in the word. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. So he's having this conversation. It says many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those who believed in him, okay, I'm arguing with you to the ones that believe in me. He's turning his attention to them in this conversation right now. And he says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So these guys that are just wasting his time and just talking to him, confronting him, he takes a break from them and he looks at those who do believe him and he's saying to them, he says, uh, you shall know the truth. Uh, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So he's turning his attention now to those who are actually listening. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are times that, uh, you know, we just have to turn our focus. You know, maybe the Lord has called us to minister to somebody. Or I, I know I've, I've talked to uh, a few people recently and uh, they've just said how frustrated they were. You know, I'm, I'm just lovingly speaking the truth, and this person is just, all they want to do is fight with me. I'm like, then stop the conversation. 
Not that you can't be friendly with them, but if you're wasting your time and they're not listening to you, then just move away and let the Lord deal with their heart. And the, the Lord will minister. Lord's going to continue what you said. It's, your, it's his word. It's going to go out and it's going to accomplish his will. Just trust it and, and in love share instead of walking around acting like, you know, we're, we got our swords and lopping off ears. Just share the gospel, share it in love, and he's going to do the work. We're not responsible for the work. We just go out. We're told, you know, that the Lord's going to use some of us to, to plant and another one to water, and then God brings the increase. Just do what he leads you to in love, and, and he's going he's gonna to make sure that everything uh, is, is uh, ministering as it needs to. So only the truth is what can set somebody free. And what Jesus said is, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's all about abiding in Christ. I mean, if there was, if there was one thing that we've heard from Will, that as he led this congregation for 20 years, if he had one thing to encourage us, it would be abide in Christ. I can tell you that right now. No question, his word would be abide in Christ. That would be it. If he had one sentence to say, it would be abide in Christ. Because that's the most important thing we can do as Christians. Abide in him. Know the truth that you should know the truth. And knowing that truth sets us free. When we come to salvation in him and we, we've accepted the truth and we can walk with him. It's not just hearing and remembering verses, but when the word abides in us, it changes us. When we've submitted, we've taken down the guard of our heart and our own will to do whatever we wanted to please us and everything. When that is, is removed and God just gently touches our heart and says, that right there needs to go. Let it go. As that's gone, he is going to just fill us more than what we could ever imagine. I'm not talking about earthly possessions at all. None of that junk. There's a whole different doctrine that, that's spreading all over the world. That, hey, as you do this, you're going to become rich and you're never going to be sick. And that's all just a bunch of junk. That's all it is. That as the Spirit indwells us and God ministers to us, he frees us from that. Not only that, but then he starts building us and using us. Those sinners that were just so wretched and, and lost and gone, there's a change there. That as we submit to the Lord, he saves us, he changes us, and builds us into somebody he can use to think about that. I can tell you right now, when I was just a teenager, I never, like I, I, I never ever thought I'd be a senior pastor. Even a year ago, if you would have asked me that. No idea. No idea. I just, and, and, and I'm doing this because the Lord has called me to do it. And I know that. And uh, I, I never had my eyes set. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be. The, it's just the Lord presented it. I prayed. He answered the prayer, and this is, this is where I'm at. Traded all the junk, and that we can be here, and that that we can just be together in the Word, and to know that's all because of what the Lord has done in our lives. Fill us with that joy of the Lord. There's nothing greater than having the presence of the Lord in our lives. Nothing greater. None of that health, wealth, prosperity doctrine, send in the check and you're going to get rich and you're going to get all these things. Forget it. It's trash. Just know the Lord. Dive into a relationship with him. Verse 33. Then they answered him, we, have, uh, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? So as Jesus is talking to ones who believe, now these other ones come in and say, we've never been in bondage. You know, what are you saying? They didn't understand spiritual bondage. 2 Timothy 2, verse 26. 
uh, it says that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive to do his will. No idea. Totally spiritually blind to their spiritual depravity. Jesus answered them, verse 34, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That's the recipe for freedom. Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the freedom of the, the physical bondage. Meet here on Friday nights. The focus is Jesus Christ. Want to be free from the addiction? Want to be free from the pain? Go to Jesus. He, okay, we can't see Jesus. We don't see him around us. It's about faith. When we read the scripture and, let, and, and follow the word and believe the word, what Jesus said is, he who believes in me. Right? Jesus isn't Santa Claus. Okay, there's the, uh, there was a, a, a movie on, and like I said, this church, we don't, I don't stand up here and make this big thing about uh, Santa Claus here. You do that, whatever, whatever's on your heart with your kids with Santa Claus. My family, we'd made the decision that my kids were going to grow up knowing uh, that uh, we celebrate this season because of who God is and what he has done. They're, you know, we, they're cousins and everything talking about this and that. I didn't want to present something to my kids that they're supposed to put their faith in that doesn't exist. I want their faith to be in the one that does exist. My kids still love Christmas. Last night they were making these little gingerbread houses and doing contests with them and stuff. You can, you know, there, there's still that that fun there and everything. But I, it's hard for me. And, and Jen and I, we got to that point where now we're parents. What are we going to do? We're going to lie to our kids and tell them this guy knows everything. But knows when you're awake. He knows when you're sleeping. Knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness' sake. All those. Yes, it's a fun song and everything. Don't get me wrong. I don't walk around just like chopping off the heads of Santa things on people's yawns or anything. That it's not the approach there at all. But I didn't want my kids to go, oh, well, you told me Santa exist, existed and he didn't. And that was a way of controlling me. What about this God thing? Same thing. And then they walk away from faith. It's all about faith in him. Jesus said, a slave does not abide in a house forever, but a son does. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free you shall be free indeed. Romans 6, verses 16 through 18 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? This is the Apostle Paul, who was a religious leader, a Jewish man uh, that, uh, that had rejected Christ and was actually present when Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 7 to death. Everybody's, everybody needed to throw their coats so they could throw the stones. Guess who was holding the, 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 the coats? Paul. Supporting him. Yeah, go ahead. I'll take care of everybody's coats. You guys go ahead. That man had an interaction with Jesus Christ and was changed completely. And that's who's writing this as he's writing in Romans 6, 16, uh, verses, uh, 16 through 18. It says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether to sin leading to death or to obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You're going to be a slave of something is what, what Paul was talking about. You know, do you want to be a slave to God and experience freedom in your life? Or do you want to be a slave to sin and just deal with, with all the consequences that come with following sin? 
if the son has set you free, you're free indeed. There's no question to remain like, what, what do you mean? Jesus flat out says, if the son, him, if he has set you free, you are free indeed. Freed from the power of addiction, freed from the power of sin, freed from whatever it is, as we submit our will to him and we cling. When that, whatever it is, is calling out, hey, hey, come on, come on, I got to fulfill you, come on, come on. Are we going to bow down to that? We're going to say, no, I've been freed in Christ, and I'm going to go grab my Bible in that time of, of temptation. And I'm going to that the way of escape is talking about uh, that the, the scripture says we're not point, we're not tempted to a point where we can't resist it. But God always makes a way of escape that as that temptation comes, we can we have the ability to look at the scripture and get into it and say, no, the Lord has freed me from that. My sins are gone. My chains are gone. Now I'm a slave of God. And, and, and that true freedom, the true peace. Understanding that when Jesus says something like this, he's, that he's also the one that says in John 14, 5, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. That life comes as we have a relationship with him. The Son has set you free. You are free indeed. No matter how hard the enemy tries to convince us otherwise, no matter how a scoffer those around us may say, oh, you're Christian now. Yeah. I actually saw a brother uh, posted something and somebody's like, wow, this is quite a post. You know, this is probably a year ago or so. And the guy just big statement of faith, you know, just to just to proclaim, you know, that, that he's a changed man. They're like, this isn't the guy I knew. Exactly. Now I'm free. You know, when we sing that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Once was lost, now I'm found. Once we're found, we can't be the same person. Got to be that change. The Son has set you free. You are free indeed. Verse 37. I know that you are, so they're, they're, they're boasting that they're Abraham's descendants. Jesus says, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if Abraham, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I uh, come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your heart you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is the li a liar and the father of it. So the contention is just continuing to grow, and Jesus is, is, is just buckling down, and, and uh, he, he's not shying away at all. And he acknowledges that, yes, you're the physical descendants of Abraham. You are Jewish. Congratulations, basically, is what he's saying. Yeah, you're, you're physical descendants of Abraham, but you're not children of Abraham. You know, he continues to address the murder and evil in their hearts, and he says, you're, yeah, you're his descendants, but you're not Abraham's children. You know, the word, of the, the word is the difference here as the Lord is, is talking to them. Uh, uh, this whole conversation is revolving around the words of Jesus. And it's the difference. And he, Jesus says, my word has no place in you. 
understanding that Jesus is the word of God. John chapter 1, as we began this study in John, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and, be, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the, the rejection of him led to uh, spiritual depravity, so much so that they had sinful and murderous hearts. And uh, you know, he's speaking uh, to the ones that, that everyone trusts in, that would teach the word, and uh, they're completely spiritual blind, spiritually blind, and they've got no idea what's going on here. You know, even in today's culture, that complete rejection of the word of God, and you know, where we can kind of pick and choose what we're going to accept. Uh, there, there are churches full of people that are just kind of said, you know what, I'm going to go because it makes me feel good. You know what, I'm glad at least you're at church, but God doesn't want you to check a box. He wants your heart. That's what's, what, I, I, I gain nothing. You know, maybe God will give me uh, some sort of, uh, you know, I, I know there will be rewards for us in heaven, but yeah, that's cool. But there's nothing I gain, uh, you know, here. I don't, it's not like, you guys know when there's a salesman, you know, when I, I did sales, military sales uh, for 18 and a half years in, in military recruiting. That's where I spent a good portion of my my 24-year uh, career. 18 and a half of it was selling the Air National Guard, talking. I understand sales. And I always get that look of, oh, I don't know if I can trust them. Not here to, not here to convince you to join. I'm going to tell you about things. If you want to do this, great. You know, we all know that hard salesman. Like, oh, here we go. Somebody's going to, you know, they got the slick, you know, whatever, and, and they're going to talk me into whatever. Nope, nope, just present what we can do as Christians is just present the gospel and just share it. <clears throat> so in today's culture, you know, we, we can, what, what I'm seeing the most is that, put, that the church is um, putting together its own beliefs putting, okay, I like this, so I'm going to incorporate this. Don't really like this. This doesn't make me feel good, so I'm going to cast that out. This tells me that I have sin in my life, so I'm just going to take that out. I'm going to put this in, make up our own little recipe, try to cook it. Nothing comes out good is really what's going to end up uh, being being the uh, uh, the result of that. You know, the tailoring it to our sinful desires rather than um, rejecting those things and, and uh Rather than rejecting the things that are bad for our lives, there's a rejection of God's word and distorting it for the rest. You know, you can think of some of the songs we've probably heard on Christian radio, like this doesn't make any sense at all. You know, because there's that there's that compromise that's come in, and uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm just going to build up my own little thing here, and that's that's heresy, is what it is. It's false doctrine. You know, there there are there are pastors of churches of 20,000 people that deny the existence of hell. Jesus had quite a bit to say about hell. So are you like smarter than Jesus? I don't know. I don't know where they're, but they, they want the following. They want people to feel good all the way leading them right to hell. It's not the way to do it. I don't know. I don't want that ultimate rejection from Jesus. Depart from me. I never knew you. He's talking about in their hearts, they don't know Jesus, that they're going to die in their sins. I don't want to hear that. So Jesus is talking about who he is and who they are. You know, And he talks about the devil's lies. And his lies started from the beginning, Genesis 3. You can go back and read it. And they continue today. What do they do? They question the word of God. They try to discredit the word. 
murder the faith of God's children and keeping many from following Christ. He started it from the beginning. It's uh, the the nothing's changed. You know, he's tailored it as things as the technology, everything. Oh, you don't need to go to church. Stay home. Stay on TikTok, Facebook. Just stay comfortable in your jammies and stay warm and everything. You don't really want to be around other people praising God's name and being, you know, being built up in your in your spiritual walk. You know, that's that's uh, you know straight uh, coming straight. I'm not saying you can't, Facebook's demonic or any. All I'm saying is is that when there's the rejection of following the Lord. Uh, and, and replacing our time with the Lord with that stuff, that's when we have the problems. Verses 38 and 39, he's speaking of his works from the Father and their works the devil. You know, it, it's our words and deeds that prove to whom we believe and, and to who we belong. You know, he again tells them that they're not children of Abraham because they reject him. If you were children of Abraham, he said, you would do the works of Abraham. You know, whose works, you know, what, what were his works? If you look back to Genesis 15, Believing in God. That was the work of Abraham. There's no uh, big recipe. I, to get saved, i got to do all these things. It was just Abraham believed God and, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. They rejected him. And it's, that means they're rejecting the Father. You'll know them by your fruits. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20 says, Beware of false prophets, this is Jesus speaking, who come to you in sheep's clothing, Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. So there's a disguise on there, is what Jesus is saying. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. You know, words and actions bear the fruit of whose father somebody is, whether of God or of uh, the devil, and that's what he's saying here. They they are children of the devil, and that's why they're filled with murder and lies. And the life of the Christian should bear the evidence of knowing God, and the truth of God stands as a dividing factor. I'm going to fast forward and try to blast through this. Verse 45, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. You know, as uh, children of the father of lies, it's impossible for them to accept the truth. So uh, unless they're willing to accept that they're wrong, that he's right and he's wrong, Jesus is saying, you don't believe in me. Verse 46, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is from God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered and said, I do, answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. So he's saying they have nothing to convict him of. You know, they've, they've got all these unfounded accusations that they were constantly trying to catch him here or there. Remember, we talked about the guards. They sent him and the guards are like, no, we didn't arrest him because nobody's ever talked like this before. That's the best they could do. They're like, oh, we're going to go get him. We're going to send overpower. And the, the word of God just changed their hearts. And these guys are like, I'm not. You go. You can go get him. And the other one, I ain't going. I, I, this, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm not these these guys here. We can see the hypocrisy in their lives, but they're not like he's not like them. 
when Jesus continues to point out their sin against God, they start saying, okay, now he's, he's demon-possessed. Or are you a Samaritan? And those are the despised people. They call them half-Jews. You know, the half-breeds. Now, and, and, you know, or, or there's a, you, you've got a demon in you. Yeah, a demon that's declaring the glory of God. You know, it's a, that's a foolish accusation there. You know, he's honoring the Father and they're dishonoring him. Verse 52. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? So they're spiritually blind and deaf to the scriptures, as we've already uh, established here. And uh, they don't know the scriptures that are able to make one wise. They have the head knowledge, but they're rejecting what the scriptures actually have to say, and the, the, the one to whom the scriptures are pointing. They're accusing him of being demon possessed and crazy, and and uh, the uh, you know things are are taking a very serious turn from this point. It's already been a very serious conversation, but uh, you know they're stating that uh, that Abram, Abraham is dead, and the prophets are dead, and they ask the question: Are you greater than our father Abraham, who's dead? Jesus should have. I can't say he should have. He could have just right then been like, yes. And he, but he does here later in a different way. Who do you make yourself out to be? And he's told them plainly several times, and they just didn't want to listen. Verse 20, uh, 54, Jesus answered, if I, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a, a liar like you. But I do not. But I, I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And the Jews said to him, "You are not yet fifty years old, and have seen Abraham." Jesus answered and said to them, "Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am." Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Like I said, things were like, he's getting right to the point. This is just, things are about to erupt right here. They didn't honor him, but the Father, do, but the father does, Jesus said. And they claim, I love that he says that they claim that he is their God, but Jesus said, you say that he's your God, yet you do not know him. You haven't known him. And we've established what it, the difference between those who know him and those who don't. He said, you don't know him, but I do. He said, if I don't know, if I said I didn't, I'd be a liar like you. you know, he, he is addressing everything right now. There's, there's nothing like it's him against a whole group of, of people there that are arguing with him. He's like, no. And, and he's standing there because he is God in the flesh and using the word, just wrapping them right up. Verse 55, he says, but I do know him and I keep his word. John 14, verse 23 and 24 say, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. The word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. There's the trade-off. You believe in him, God the Father, that, that, that God himself comes and lives in us. And there's that fulfillment. 
Jesus says, you, uh, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he was glad to see it. We don't know exactly what he's talking about here, um, but Jesus said it, and it's true. That's, that's the way I look at it, is that what Abraham saw, uh, whether it was in vision or, or whatever, that uh, the promises of God, because God promised that, that kings would come from him. And uh, that all the nations of the earth and families of the earth would be blessed as they came through him. Uh, whatever it was exactly that Jesus is saying, uh, uh, we can rest knowing uh, what he's talking about. So they, they go here and they say, you're not even 50. What are you talking about? Abraham's, you know, you're talking about thousands of years back and you're saying you saw him and he saw you. What are you talking about? And Jesus, now it gets to the point what he's been building up to all along. And, uh, you know, the ultimate statement that nobody else but Jesus could make. And he says, I am. Who do you make yourself out to be? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, anybody who's read the scripture and has been following the Lord, you understand that that's what he's saying here is, I am God. He's saying that. Now, the Greek is ego, I me. And uh, when he says, I am, and, and Exodus Verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I'm on my last part right here. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say to them, The God, so this is a, a conversation between uh, God and Moses. Moses uh, is talking to the Lord. You know, when, when they ask, you know, who you came from, uh, the God of your fathers had sent me uh, to you, and you shall say to me, uh, What is it? And, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So Jesus is, is like a touchdown here in, in New England. We're used to you know watching Rob Gronkowski when he'd score a touchdown He'd spike the ball, right? And it was just, he just smashed that ball into the ground. Uh, Jesus is making a statement here. You know, when, if you watch that ever happen on, on it's, it's a statement. We just scored a touchdown. And uh, it was that, it was that victory. We just scored. Jesus right here is saying, I am. And, and it stirs them up. They grab their stones. Or he's bringing out the fact that they want to murder, right? Your, your, your son's. Of the devil, and you know he he was a murderer from the beginning, and now look where it is. You know he was a murderer, and that that murder is in uh, their hearts, and he brings it right out as as he says that to them. He's making another bold claim of being God in the flesh, and there's no no denying there are cults that will tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God. Point them right here. What does this mean? Let them do their gymnastics and say you're wrong, and be able to share that. So Jesus is turning the world upside down, uh, you know, their world upside down, and which is really correcting its orientation back to where it should have been. But they don't like it, and when they hear that, that's it. You know, they've heard enough. They've been insulted enough that now they're resorting to their murderous hearts. So in summary, it's all about knowing God. You know, he called them out as ones that thought they knew God, uh, and in another scripture says that, uh, that they honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. You know, it's scary to think that in the scriptures, Jesus said that mighty works, there were going to be some that stand before him and say, Lord, we did mighty works. We cast out demons in your name and everything. And Jesus' response will be, for those that didn't know him, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. It's not about this. It's not about that. And everything. It's just, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? You know, let us that have, have uh, accepted him, not that we're anything special, 
I'm no greater than anybody else. You know, I can't, oh, I'm the pastor. And people, oh, oh you're, and people's things change right here. And you're, oh, oh, sorry, I said that word. Dude, just talk to me. You know, <laughs> it's not like I've never said, unfortunately, in my old life, said those things or conducted myself like that. It's all right. We're just people that have been changed by God's grace. We'll know them by their fruits. You know, let us learn from these religious leaders that we wouldn't have the hearts of these religious leaders. You know, understanding that, uh, you know, we're not children of God because of what we know, but who we know. You know, who we have a personal relationship with. Not by the good things we've done. Those things should be evident in our lives. That uh, that we our good works should glorify the Father in heaven, and they should point to Him. But uh, shouldn't be like them, uh, rejecting the word. And there are, there are several warnings in the Scripture to not be deceived. Why is that? Because we can be deceived. You know, Will has shared that with us several times. I like the way he did that. So I'm. I'm using his statement there, uh, not rejecting the word. How should the word, you know, the church, ref, uh, you know, just carry ourselves. Um, understand Colossians 3 says, let the word of God dwell with you richly. That dwell, let the word dwell in our hearts. That what we read here, what we do in our study and everything, let the, the instead of casting it out, let the word dwell and uh, stay and rule and reign in our hearts. And uh, you know, then we find life, we find freedom, salvation in him and in his word, and then we can live in victory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. If you'd stand with me, we'll pray. God, we are so grateful for your word. We ask, Lord, that it would dwell in us richly and that you would cause your word to grow in our hearts. Build us into a closer relationship with you. If they're lost here, that they wouldn't leave here without praying and knowing you changed except that if the son has set you free you are free indeed offer very simple crying out in their heart privately to you lord we're going to do a baptism as you know lord if there's anybody here that has not been baptized uh, just help them to know we've got extra towels and everything but there'd be that statement of faith and there'd be that change that happens Lord, bless our time as, as we go and prepare, Lord, to, to baptize uh, that precious little girl, Claire. And there are any other hearts that want to be baptized, Lord, pray that you'd minister. Bless us now. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace to you guys.